Hello and welcome to Christmas Songs by, by Old Dead, Dead Guys. Guys. I'm David. I'm Scott and we have a special guest host today. Tell them who you are. And I'm Gabriel. Gabriel is oh. coming to join us today to be a special guest host on the show. Episode number 65. Wow. Man, it's taking us this long to get a special guest on this How show. How about that? Does that, yeah, say, and, does that say something about our podcast, Scott? It, it, it might. And, <laughs> and we, we don't compensate our guest hosts very well. Oh, true, true. Very so, true. Very true. Yeah, but, but the check's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, why don't you catch us up to where we've been over yeah. the last couple of weeks? So we're taking a break from our normal diet of Thomas Brooks, which has been a joy, by the way. Definitely my favorite book we've done so far. Uh, but we're taking a break for a few weeks to walk through Christmas songs uh, that we sing or hymns that we sing every week, particularly hymns that we've been singing here uh, in our home church that kind of connect to the sermon texts that we talk through each week. And, and uh, just thinking about, number one, learning a little bit about the history of the song and the songwriter, and then walking kind of line by line to see what we can gain from really thinking deeply about songs. You know, the difference between songs you sing in church and songs you may be singing on the way to work, unless those two things are the same. But, but generally speaking, we should be thinking about what we're singing when we're singing on Sunday morning. And, and so sometimes we sing these songs for years and years and years, and we never think about what's in them. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to take a few weeks to just stop and unpack the, the richness of the songs that we sing at Christmas. Yeah. And so this week, what we got, we have Come Thou Long Expected. Jesus. That's the one we're doing this week. So, yeah. David, why don't you break that down for us? So, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus was a, a hymn that was written by Charles Wesley, very famous hymn writer. He actually wrote it in 1744, wow. which is significant because that's just one year after Charles Wesley was ordained, very very early in his ministry. Wow. And so he, he, he did this because he wanted to write hymns that were specifically aimed at the poor and the marginalized that he saw around him in, in British society. Hmm. And so he, this is one of the hymns that he included with a collection of 17 other hymns that he, he called Hymns for the Nativity of Our Lord. And so this, this small collection of hymns was, was really geared towards, uh, just folks that didn't have a lot of money to spend on this kind of thing, mm-hmm. folks who, who didn't really have a lot of means to go out and buy a, a huge hymnal, uh, buy a, a big hymn book. Uh, and so it was It was a small collection of hymns. It was affordable. It was geared towards common, everyday folks who were who were really just kind of getting by. And actually, this, this hymn originally didn't have a title. It was just hymn number 10. Hymn number is, 10. Which is just a great, a great title. Hymn number 10. Because yeah. it, you know, because it's better than hymn number 9, right? Yeah. And worse than hymn number 11. Worse maybe than hymn number 11. <laughs> no. yeah, I, don't, I don't know what hymn number 11 was. But, <laughs> but yeah, it eventually came to be known by, by the first line, which is, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to kind of get into it, uh, the, it's only only really two stanzas, a very, very short hymn, very condensed. And the first stanza goes like this. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Hmm. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Hmm. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, thou art dear desire of every nation, Joy of every longing 
heart. Man, okay. So this is so we're coming out the box. This is classic Wesley songwriting, though. I, <laughs> yes, I it mean, really is. Charles Wesley could write a song, man. That's just that's just all there is to it. One of the things, I, I, just to hearken real quick back to what you were saying, David, about the about it being written towards uh, the common everyday folk. And one of the reasons that hymns were so important in the history of the church is because a lot of these folks couldn't read. Yeah, and so they would have to memorize the tune. So one of the things you'll notice. Our folks here, our, our music folks here call them square, that we sing square songs. And by square song, we mean a song that has the same rhythm throughout the whole song. It's not all these bridges and elaborate things, but it, it's very easy to remember the tune because if mm. you can remember the tune, you'll remember the song. And so, so he comes out with this, you know, you, when you, when you read it, in fact, you can tell it's a good square. It's not a, that's not a negative term. You can tell it's a good square. Uh, tune because as soon as you say come thou long expected jesus like you almost can't help but syncopate it mm-hmm. according to the rhythm of the music that you've learned the song with yeah yeah and really from the get-go he he wesley kind of puts us in the shoes of of these ancient israelites yep of you know the people of israel before uh the first coming of our lord jesus christ you know that that jesus was long expected yeah you think about you think about that 400 year time period between the end of the old testament when when the old testament writings come to completion before jesus christ appears on the scene yep and you you think and you know you go back and you look at what what the israelite people were doing during that 400 years and a lot of it could be described as really just kind of freaking out that yeah. you know Israel throughout their entire throughout their entire history from the the time they began as a nation coming out of Egypt they have always had prophets that have mm-hmm. come and told them the word of the Lord they've always had uh the Lord seeking them always had the Lord uh speaking directly to them through the mouth of his prophets mm-hmm. but when when the old testament came to a close and those 400 years of silence happened man that that was that that silence was truly deafening to oh, the man. jewish people of of realizing oh my goodness we we have not heard the the word of the prophet we have not heard from directly from the word of the lord for generations right and that is just it's hard to put into words exactly exactly how much Charles Wesley is packing into that term long, long expected, expected. Oh, Jesus. 100%. We're going to talk a lot about this 400 years of silence actually on Sunday when we do uh, Anna we hit a little bit with Simeon but but when you when you couple this with the fact that the last thing that Israel heard from the mouth of a prophet is Malachi chapter 4 when it says behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Mm. They're like, the last thing you hear the Lord say through the mouth of Malachi the prophet is, John the Baptist is coming, there's your there's your Elijah. But, but the reason that he is is because if he didn't, I would have to strike you dead. dead. Mm-hmm. You know, And ultimately we see by 70 A.D., Israel has been struck dead, if you will. It's been destroyed because of the, their disobedience and rejection of the Messiah. But they waited all that time to hear 
You know, I mean, I can't, you can't imagine. That's as long as, as long as we've been a country. Yes. Israel waited to hear <laughs> yes. the and, word of the and Lord. And longer still. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the other, the other big thing that sticks out to me is that line, let us find our rest in thee. It reminds me so much of what, what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come mm. to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and yep. I will give you rest. Yep. You know, that. That idea that in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our sins, uh, the Lord offers us rest. Mm. I mean, if there is such a, if there is something that we need during this season of, of the year, rest. It is rest. Like we were literally just talking about that, <laughs> yeah. about the fact that it's kind of that week before Christmas, yes. where you can finally feel the schedule start to ease, ease. up a little bit and slow down, and you're like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's but it's even more than that, right? Yes. For us, for the Christian, our rest is not just this. Okay, Advent's coming to end, and I get to take a nap. It's a, it's it's that our you know Augustine. I, I, I quoted Augustine was it last week? I said our hearts. He said our hearts are restless mm-hmm. until we until find we him. find our rest in Christ. That we're looking for something to put our hope in. We're looking for something to put our, our faith in and our trust in. And we will, we are a people of faith, whether we want to be or not. Oh yeah. It's really a matter of what we put our faith in and the world around us puts its faith in all kinds of things that will never satisfy. But we as Christians put our faith, our rest, if you will, in the person and work of Jesus. And that's why he came, right? To, so we could find our rest in him. Indeed. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the first stanza, you know, kind of this, Focusing in on this long expectedness of Jesus, the the tension that the people of Israel felt before Jesus' first coming, and kind of inviting us to kind of uh, to kind of you know be a part of that expectation. Yep, inviting us to expect Jesus' second coming the way they expected the first coming. So good. That's been a thing we've tried to emphasize mm-hmm. in our teaching and preaching and even in the podcast is that Advent for the Christian is not just a time to think about the first coming of Jesus. It's a time to anticipate his second coming. Yes. You know, that now we <clears throat> wait like Israel did in terms of waiting, but not with the same hope. Our hope is greater because it's already been made perfect, right? Yes. Like we're just waiting for him to return. Now we're in the kingdom. We who have repented of our sins and trusted to Christ, we are in the kingdom of heaven, right? It's it's not a, we get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven when we die. No, 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 no. We are now citizens and we're just waiting on the king to come back so we can have a great big old party. party. Mm. That's what we're waiting on. Mm. So that's good. Yeah. So the second stanza goes like this. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all-sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious throne. So you see in these two stanzas, he he says the word born four different times. You know, three of them right at the beginning of, mm-hmm. uh, of stanza two of the second verse. And he, he emphasizes that, that Christ was born both with a purpose. He was born to deliver his people. He was born to reign. He was born to, uh, to accomplish those particular 
tasks, mm-hmm. but he was also born with authority. He says he was born a, a child and yet a king. And actually, uh, Spurgeon, in looking back on this on this hymn, Spurgeon actually helped popularize this hymn because he used it in a sermon to talk about how most people who become kings were born princes, mm, but not so with Christ, he that was he a was king. born a king. Mm. He, he was never a prince. He was never a, a king to be. He was born right. king, which I, I think the sermons have done a marvelous job of highlighting just how often Luke encourages us to see the authority of Christ before he's even born right. and also and also after immediately after he's born right that even as as a preborn child even as a a newborn baby you see people people saying calling him lord people ascribing to him great authority over all the earth yeah yeah and i mean Think about the Magi, right? Like, and I, I get it. I know there's some, <laughs> some very theologically accurate people listening to this podcast who are going to say, "Well, he wasn't there. The, the Magi weren't there the day Jesus was born, and they probably weren't. He was probably a toddler, but still, even as a child, a young, young child, what do they say? We've seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship, worship him, yes. right? Like, they knew who he was. Yes, you know, Anna knew who he was. Simeon knew who he was, and they weren't waiting for him to get older. No, no, no. They didn't say one day you will be no. X, Y, Z. Yep. No, he said. They said, "My eyes have seen your salvation, yes. the light of the Gentiles, and the glory of his people Israel." That's yes. now. That's yes. A, yes. So he's he's born to reign, but he reigns in us too, right? Like he reigns over all the earth, but then there's this little reminder mm-hmm. that it's not just that he reigns in all the earth. What do you think it means to reign in us, Mr. Guest Host? What do you think it means that Jesus reigns in us? Take it, what do you think? He has power over us. He has power over us. He Indeed. has authority over us. Very good. Yeah, Indeed. absolutely. And so as Christians, we do what he tells us, right? He tells us, well, how does he tell us what to do? Do his, his word. You got it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So he's born to reign in us forever. That's what you're 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 setting yourself up as a Christian for an eternity of submission to the authority and rule of Christ. Our our elder brother as as Paul would call him, but still he is the one who rules and reigns and we live our lives in submission to him and we'll live our eternities in submission to him and it's glorious mm-hmm. that we get to do so. Yes. But how many other things can rule our hearts. Oh man. Instead of Christ. Yeah. Again, you know, it's just so appropriate this time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Think about the thing. Like there's so many things at Christmas that are tempted. You know, that we're tempted to allow rule our hearts, whether it be family or material possessions or just the busyness of the schedule that we were just talking about. All these things can be are very sore temptations, serious temptations to reign and rule in our hearts. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So that's uh that's a little bit about Come thou long expected Jesus. Yep. You know, one of the one of the great Christmas hymns uh, that we enjoy today. And so yeah, any any final thoughts, Mr. Guest Guest? Not that I can think of. Not yet. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> not, not any any <clears throat> any last things to add? You know, I I think the I think the turn at the end of the song, right? Because there's this tension of you know, of, of him reigning in us, he's bringing his kingdom, and then by thy own eternal spirit, rule in all hearts alone. And then there's this ultimate promise at the end. It comes back to what we really look forward to this time of year, by thine all-sufficient merit. So it's, it's the work of Christ alone. Raise us 
to thy glorious throne. That's the thing that we look forward to. Oh yeah. Is Christmas is this foretaste, you know, like that we, we, I, we think we sing the song where we sing oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's, oh, yeah. what, that's what Christmas is supposed to be for us. It's this, it's this little glimpse of man, you know, the excitement and the anticipation and all the stuff that we feel that's good about this time of year. Will we see like as in the mirror dimly now, but man, there's going to be a day where Christ is going to return. He's going to come back. He's going to bring us with him. And this is what it's like, you know. Yeah. It's it's um, it's it's C.S. Lewis turning the, the the turn of words that he uses in the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe when he talks about Narnia being always winter but never Christmas, and mm. you know, the, but the picture of what Aslan would do, he would make it always Christmas and never winter. Mm. You mm. know, there's this turning upside down of of all the wrong things being undone. So. That all of that, that's what we long for. That's what we look forward to. And that's why songs like this are really just taking the time to think through them matter so much to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you've enjoyed uh, this podcast, we'd encourage you to share it uh, anywhere you can and, uh, you know, send it to someone who you think might enjoy it, you think might gain from it. And uh, we'd love to get this in the ears of anyone who could benefit from it, anyone who could profit from it. Uh, And so, uh, until next week. We'll talk again and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Oh. <laughs> Good job. <laughs>